Well, good morning. How is everyone this morning? You know, it is so nice to come up to the mountains and uh, experience the nice, cooler weather. It was really hot down in Alamogordo yesterday. <laughs> we did get some rain down there, but boy, it was hot. Um, for those of you uh, who don't know me, my name's Stan Richardson, and I work with Youth with a Mission here in um, the Otero County area. My wife and I oversee the Pregnancy Help Center down in Alamogordo, and that helps young women in unplanned pregnancies um, all over Otero County. And what we do there is offer free pregnancy tests, and um, we do limited ultrasounds. We have a mentoring program that helps them get ready for the next steps they'll be taking. And um, we just really want to try to minister God's love and uh, his forgiveness and compassion to some of the most, you know, um, vulnerable, really, in our community. Um, what we found out is 90% of the time when you reach out with a girl with God's love and his positive options, um, they, they really don't want to walk through an abortion. They, you know, a lot of the girls that we've talked with that have said, well, I had one because I didn't really have any other options. I wish I had those, I wish I knew what was available. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, and I think that's what the body of Christ is doing really all over our nation. We see that happening more and more. Um, it's always a pleasure to be here. We were um, here at this church for a number of years, and um, uh, First Baptist has been a sponsor of the Pregnancy Help Center for ever since we've been here for 16 years, and we appreciate that. Uh, they also, about probably nine years ago, started sponsoring my wife and I as missionaries here in the community as well. And so we just really appreciate that, and it's a tremendous blessing. So thank you guys so much. I'm going to visit with you this morning about a scripture that means a lot to me, and it's actually a, a core scripture that we use at the Pregnancy Help Center. And it's Isaiah 61, verse 1 through 4. And you guys probably all know this scripture. You've probably read it several times. But I want to just kind of share some thoughts on it this morning. So if you could, if, if I could inconvenient you to stand up with me again, let's read this scripture together. There's a powerful thing when we read God's word in there. So Isaiah 61, I'm reading from the New Living Translation says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim to the captives that they will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repair cities destroyed long ago, they will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. You know what the tragedy we're 
here, and I was at our uh, the church we attend down in Alamo. I was there this morning before coming up here, and uh, we were just praying for the people in, in El Paso and uh, for the people in Dayton, Ohio, um, that also were hit by a travesty. And um, just wondered maybe if we could just pause for a minute and pray for those families. And um, Jay, would you mind just leading us as a, as a body in a prayer for them? Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you know, as we think about this scripture this morning, it's very appropriate even for today and this morning and yesterday, isn't it, that God wants to come in and uh, bring good news to the poor, to those who are poverty-stricken even in their spirits right now. They're, they're wondering what's going on. They, have no, they don't have the means to take care of emotionally, spiritually, and physically the things that are going on right now. And Jesus wants to enter into that. And the same with the brokenhearted. There's a lot of brokenhearted people today. God wants to meet them. And those who are going to be captivated by anger, captivated by fear, captivated by all the things that accompany this, he wants to come in and set people free. He still brings those words today, doesn't he? So I love this scripture because it really speaks to the girls we minister to every day, but it really speaks to our world in general. But here's the cool thing about it. This was a prophecy that Isaiah gave about the Savior coming. And it, it communicated his mission. Now, we know that Jesus, his main focus was to come and, and die for our sins, set us free, uh, give us open opportunity to be in relationship with, with God and to be in part of the family of, and to be a part of the family of God. But it's awesome because he came with a whole other mission as well while he was here. He didn't just come and hang around till it was time for him to die. But he came and invested relationally in our world, didn't he? He came and related with people. Even as early as 10 to 12 years old, he was sitting in the synagogue instructing people. <laughs> they said they were amazed at his, at, uh, his wisdom and his knowledge at such a young age. So he's investing. And that's what I see in this scripture is that God didn't come to just hang out and, and do some things and point his finger, but he came out to invest in people. And the cool thing, and I call, this, I call this walking with Jesus or Jesus walking with us because he made the initiative. It says in the scripture that God anointed me to bring good news to the poor to bring healing to the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. That word anointed means he was set apart. He was given an office. This was his primary purpose when he came to earth. The anointing was to bring hope. And that's what that good news to poor, the poor people is, to bring hope, to bring healing to those who are brokenhearted and that need it, and to set those captives free free. Now, you know, the interesting thing about this is I think, especially as the body of Christ, there may be some here that really need to hear that this morning. You're not walking in a relationship with God. 
Well, the thing I want you to understand is he doesn't need you to be all cleaned up to come to you. He's already coming. Because it says in here, the people that were poor, that's who he came to bring good news to. The people that were brokenhearted, he didn't say, well, look, you, you need to be healed, and, and, then I, and then I'll come talk to you. No, he goes right to them. I know you're brokenhearted. I know you're poor monetarily. I know you're poor spiritually. I know you're poor physically. But guess what? I'm right here. And I think the one that we a lot of times look at is that whole captivated, the people in jail. A lot, of, a lot of times if you've ever been in jail, it's a humiliating situation. And yet here goes our Savior. He says, I came to set you free. He walks into that prison cell and he says, I want to free you. Now, a lot of times we look at this sometimes from a non-Christian standpoint. Okay, well, I know if you're not saved, you're, you know, you're poverty in spirit, you're, you know, you're, um, you're brokenhearted, you're broken by your situation, your circumstance, you're captivated by it, you're entrenched by it, you're chained by your sin. But what happens when we're Christians? Are we still in that place? where we're poor, where we need understanding, where maybe we're brokenhearted about something. Maybe sin's snuck in our life and got its grips on us again. You know what the awesome thing is? That scripture refers for us too. If you're poor, and I'm telling you, I walk around poor. <laughs> I do. There's so many things I need spiritually in my life every day. But the three things I want to look at in this scripture is one is Jesus walking with us. And then the other two are things that we need to be doing as people. The first one is that Jesus does walk with us. He sees us in these circumstances, these situations. He loves us. He cares about us. If you're in a place where you're in need, guess what? He wants to meet you there. If you don't have ample provision, whether it's spiritually, physically, economically, he wants to meet you. Maybe something's broken your heart. Maybe something's really wounded you. Um, this past year, probably from starting just in July of last year until probably about May of this year, I just feel like I have been going through all kinds of stuff and had a ton of things thrown at me that have um, some wounded, some just shook me to my core where I was like, God, why in the world? And he met me in every one of those situations. And sometimes it wasn't for a couple of months. But during that time when I got finished, I felt like he said, I'm training your hands for war. I'm helping you strengthen. 
I'm helping you get stronger to see that even though these things can happen, I'm there. And I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to provide for you. And he's done that in every situation. I can look back, and there's been about five different situations that I was like, Lord, what in the world is going on? And it was amazing because the last one, the sixth one that happened, it was mellow. I I just almost laughed. But somebody drove through our store down in Alamogordo, and they drove right through the front windows. and, And... you know, I was, I, was, I was very concerned because I'm like, there's a truck in our store. And so I'm ru- I rushed over there, and everybody was fine. There were people that had been shopping right there by that window. And usually there's a lot of people that, right around that window. But nobody was. And there was a truck in our deal, and, and we just started joking about it. Well, we always wanted to drive through, and... But, you know, that's because God was making me stronger. And sometimes that's what he does. Now, that's not always the case. I mean, there was people that did some sinful things to us that was not God's will. And I can believe that. And I I know that true. But he allowed it to happen. And he said, you know what? You can grow from this and you can see that I'm faithful and that I'm strong, and that I'm going to, if you'll take, this is something a, a buddy of mine told me a long time ago. He said, if you take care of your character, God will take care of your reputation. And he's so faithful to do that. And so God walks with us, even when we're struggling, when we're failing, when we're, and I started thinking about this, and last week I was uh, at church with my daughter over in Las Cruces, and the pastor was talking about the Resurrection Sunday. And I was thinking about the message for for today, and I was like, you know, this goes right with it. Because Resurrection Sunday, Jesus had had three and a half years that he invested into people. He came. He healed their broken heart. He invested in them where they were spiritually and physically and mentally. uh, They weren't impoverished anymore. And he set captives free. They saw it. And yet Sunday morning... Mary Magdalene and another person, they're going to anoint a dead body. They're weeping. They're mourning. They get to the tomb. The body's not there. They start freaking out. Someone stole him. He already told them, no, I'm not going to be here. (laughs) I'm not going to be there. But their first thought, instead of, he's he's resurrected. He, He did what he said he was. They went into despair and said, somebody stole him. Jesus walked in. He said, I'm here. I'm alive. What grace and compassion. He could have said, I told you. What what are you doing? What are you thinking? I told you I was going to do it. I told you I was going to raise from the dead. Why are you sitting around here crying? But he didn't. He was so gentle. 
said, Mary, I'm alive. Of course, I'm not laying over there. So Mary's like, holy smokes. She makes a beeline to, the, to uh, where the disciples are. And she says, I've seen him. I've seen him. They're all freaking out. They're sad. They're upset. I've seen him. He was there. Woman, you're crazy. No belief at all. There's an eyewitness who's telling them. And the ones who walked closest with him didn't believe him. You are nuts. And what happened? Jesus came and visited them. Did he come in and say, you big dumb heads, I told you, what's wrong with you? No, but he came in with love and compassion. And he said, it's me. Peace be with you. Don't be afraid. I told you all this was going to happen, right? What incredible compassion. Bring healing, bringing healing to the brokenhearted. Bringing good news to those who were poor, who were captivated by their fear, struggling. Now they're set free because they see that death can't even hold him down. And you got the two men walking to Emmaus. They're just bummed. This guy, Jesus, I just thought there was going to be so much more. Feel a tap on the shoulder. Who are you talking about? That man, Jesus. Aren't you aware of everything that happened? I mean, they killed him yesterday. He walked the whole way with them, explaining how he was going to rise. And until the very end, they didn't recognize him. And he was okay with that. But what compassion and patience he had. Then Thomas got all the disciples, the girls. We saw him. You should have been here. You guys are nuts. I'm not going to believe nothing until I touch him. Now, Jesus didn't have to come back to Thomas. He didn't have to come back to any of them. But he did. He said, Thomas, what's up? Come over here. Go ahead and put your hand in here. Look at my hands. Go ahead and stick your fingers in there. If that's what you need to prove it, come on. And then even after all of this, Peter goes fishing. He's seen him twice. He's heard the reports. One gospel um, account says that he went, Peter was one of the ones that went to the tomb and saw he wasn't there. And after all that, there's a discouragement in Peter's heart. And he says, I'm going fishing. And several disciples go, well, we'll just go with you. And what happens next? Jesus shows up and cooks some breakfast and helps them haul in another big catch. 
So they not only got to have breakfast, but they got their, pat, their pockets padded again. You guys, that's the God we serve. He wants to meet us right where we're at. And he does it so compassionately. He does it so graciously and generously. So here's the other observation that's not really said in this scripture, but I think it's implied. Because relationships are a two-way street, aren't they? And that's what he invests in. He wants to come and invest in us. But it's a two-way street. See, I can come and give you all the good news I have. But what happened to the disciples? They didn't receive it. They didn't accept it. And the only the way that we can accept and receive it first is being honest and being humble. I had a friend of mine not too long ago that came in and they said, you know, I, I need to borrow some money. I had a check. Didn't know if I should. Just kind of had a check. Didn't do it. But I had a suggestion for my friend. I just said, well, you know, what about if we... And they got in a mad and huff and left. They said, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I've got everything under control. My initial thought is obviously not. (laughs) Because you're wanting money. I, I don't mind loaning people money. I have no problem with that. But I've got to be obedient to God but my friend wasn't honest about where they were. And the reality is they, they didn't have the means possible, right? So that's being poor in spirit, being poor in whatever. But if we're honest and we just say, Lord, you know, the reality is today I don't have what it takes to honor you, to glorify you. I'm broke. In my spirit, I don't have what it takes. I'm, I'm anxious, I'm angry, I'm impatient. I need you. And you know what? He wants to walk right in and get, help you. In this situation where, you know, I had some things thrown at me that, that really, it just shook me. I was honest with that. I said, God, I, this shook me. I don't know what's going on. I, it's just got me riled up but I was honest with him and then the other aspects we have to be humble humble is a little different from being honest humble is just being known for who you are if somebody asks you they say man you seem a little mad I am a little mad (laughs) I know I need to get over that and explain, you know, communicating what God would say. And typically when I'm getting frustrated or if I get impatient, he always tells me that person is more important than what you're walking through right now, and you need to go apologize. 
And I'll go tell them that. I'll say, it's not an excuse. I don't have an excuse for being mad. I don't have an excuse. I'm just saying I was, and you're more valuable than what I've got going right now, and I'm very sorry. And as we do that, it postures ourselves, you guys, to be able to receive the hope, the healing, and the freedom that God wants to give us. Because as long as we keep holding on to it, well, I'll tell you why I was mad. That person over there, they had that hairdo and it was flipping all over the place and I couldn't see the movie. As long as I do that, I will not have freedom. I will not have healing. And I won't have hope. But as, if we stay humble and we stay honest with where we're at, God's going to meet us. And he loves to do it. And he doesn't come in critically waving his finger. He comes in graciously. The other thing we need to do is we need to be able to believe Jesus' words and his remedies. You see, I can come in with all the hope. I can come in with words of healing. I can come in and say, hey, this is some things we can do. But if I'm not ready to receive it, if I'm like, well, that's what you want to do, so you just go ahead. But when God comes in, if I'm ready to receive it and say, I want to hear from you, let me know. I want to receive it. And you know, a lot of times, you guys, what I've seen is that people's lack of hope, their loss of hope, their lack of healing, their lack of freedom stems not totally, but it stems from unforgiveness. Because we've had a broken heart. We don't release people from it. We've had a devastating situation in our life. And we don't allow God to take that. But we hang on to it and we're like, I'll never forgive that person. Now, there may be other things. There's some people that are continually broke. And it's because they don't know how to say no. They see something shiny, sparkly, they want it. I deserve that, I want to get it. My wife and I learned a long time ago, especially as missionaries, no is a good answer a lot of times. We say no to a lot of things. And our kids were just, they get frustrated with us growing up. But now they understand and they realize, they go, you know what, we didn't need all that stuff. We're so glad that you guys showed us how to budget, that you guys showed us the, what is valuable. I mean, we love to have them home and we'll make big meals, we'll barbecue, we'll, and that's what's valuable to us is that they feel fed, that they feel welcome, that they feel that there's a welcome mat out for them. But that's what we do. I'm not saying that's God and the gospel. But they understand that. When they come home, they go, Dad, are you going to barbecue? So you know it. They're all right, all right. But we have to be able to say, God, what is it that you want us to do? I'm, I not only receive it, but I'm going to do it. Here's the cool part about those last two verses that I love. It's the fruit of the anointing that God brings.
He'll come to all who mourn in Israel and give them a crown of beauty for ashes. He'll give you the oil of joy for mourning. Or I like this, the joyous blessing instead of mourning. He'll give you festive praise instead of despair. And in their righteousness, as they stand in these things, he'll make them large oaks, strong oaks, planted for his glory. And then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They'll raise up the age-old foundations and those areas that have been deserted for many generations. And the fruit is first that our lives are going to be restored. That's his anointing. He wants to restore lives and bring strength and beauty out of them. Out of the most wrecked lives in the world, he can bring beauty. And I'm a testimony of that. I would, if, I wouldn't have, if he would not have come into my life and brought me that hope and brought me that healing and brought me that freedom, there is no telling where I'd be and what I'd be doing or if I would even still be here. I can just say that for sure. I was a mess and I was headed in a wrong direction. But he jumped in and he came in said, I want to give you hope. He said, I, want, I know this stuff bothered you. I want, to, I want to heal you from that. And I want to show you how that's done. So he restores our lives. But then he restores it so that we can go out. It overflows. It's not this thing where you're a bad person if you don't go help someone else. Dude, it just overflows. I want, I, if I see somebody struggling, I want to help them. I want to say, you know, we, we just heard from some friends yesterday that, you know, we love their son. We've met him. He's a great kid. And, and the mom said, you know, he tried to commit suicide, 12 years old. I'm like, what? Well, my heart immediately, because of what God's done in my life, <laughs> what he's done for me, I'm like, he just needs to know my Lord. He needs to know how incredible God lives, how much God loves him. That devil's trying to take his life. God wants to come in and, and break that bondage, whatever is going in there. He wants to bring out an incredible freedom. But that's what he does through all of us. All of you guys walk around people and you rub shoulders with people every day that need to know how much God loves them. And in their poverty and their brokenness and their captivity, God wants to meet them. And Jesus gave that commission to his disciples when he was leaving in, in uh, Matthew 28, didn't he? He said, I'm going to the Father now, but all authority has been given me. And now if you guys will go into all the world, and you know all the world includes Cloudcroft, Mayhill, Timbron, Alamogordo, High Rolls. It includes all those places. And there's a lot of people there that need to know how much God loves them and cares about them and how compassionate he is. Let me ask you a question. 
Where are you this morning? As we've talked about, just being honest with God. You don't have to be honest with me. 1 John 1, 9 says, if, we're, if we'll confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And it may not be sin, but it may be a place that you're just feeling like, I am just worn out spiritually. I have no ability right now to, to do what I need to do. And I need you. I need God. Maybe you're in a place right now that you're feeling brokenhearted. Somebody did something to you. Something happened that you're just feeling like, that was a load of crumola. I can't believe they did that. Or something may have happened that's just left you broken. Maybe a, something, a death in the family or something that's just not easy. You may be in a spot where it is sin. And I'll tell you what, sin is just, it entangles us. And we just have to be really careful to stay away from it. We have to be diligent to keep it out of our camp. And if we don't, it entraps us. But the cool thing is, is we have a Savior who has the keys that can let us out and set us free, that can heal our broken heart. And that can bring hope right where we're at, you guys. So my question is, where are we today? Why don't we take a minute? Let's just bow our heads and ask, ask the Lord. Hey, Lord, I know you're here. Where am I at? <laughs> you might not even know. There's been times I, I was impoverished, and it took someone coming and going, you know you messed up. But why don't we take a minute? Let's close our eyes and take a minute with God. I'll pray real quick and then I'm going to leave it to Mike. But let's just take a few minutes and just ask Him. Lord, we just love you today and we're so grateful that you're such a compassionate, loving Father. Compassionate, incredible God who walks with us in the midst of our brokenness, our loss of hope, lack of hope, our enslavedness, that you walk, continue to walk with us and help us. I just pray that this morning, if there's areas in our lives that we can be established as those great oaks <laughs> that you talk about in, in Isaiah, that you would help us see that, Lord you would help us be that type of people and that you would help us be those type of people that could be great oaks to our world, the people that are struggling, families in El Paso and Dayton and people's families that are struggling here locally, that you would help us see it and help us be those people that can bring your love to them, Lord. But speak to us right now, Lord. Just help us see where we're at. And if we're in a good spot, I pray that we'd feel your love 
and your joy just overflowing to us. Because we love you and appreciate you, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you.